This is the Overclocked Podcast, a weekly dose of video game music and conversation from ocremix.org. This week, we talk with renowned composer and developer Robin Miller about his work on the newly released Abduction, get noticeably smarter with another edition of Between the Lines, and strum up another playlist. Welcome back to our podcast, everyone. There's I'm a moth Steven. in my face. Excuse me? There's a moth in my face. Well, that's just upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> very. And I'm Brian. Hello, everyone. <laughs> well, you didn't even let me do the thing to introduce you. What What the heck? How is that still being carried over? <laughs> I'm waiting for it to be forgotten every episode. I'm never going to forget it. We're very happy that you all joined us. We have a very, very exciting program for you today. Program? <laughs> But yes, it actually is a very exciting episode. We got to chat with Robin Miller, who worked on Abduction, and that was amazing because I love Mist games. Yeah, and I know Abduction isn't a Mist game, but it's a game from the creators of Mist, and that's yeah. awesome. Yes, 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 yes. Mist was one of the early games we played in our video game careers. Yeah, um, and yeah, it, one one reason it's going to stick with you is because of the music. And we go over a lot of interesting things. We go over what the composition style of Robin is. He did the music both for the original Mist and Riven. We went over. Um, kind of the stories of the low budget origins of Mist. We went over where the linking book sound effect comes from. <laughs> if you're interested in Mist or those games or just composition in general, he has a very cool perspective on all that. So it's a great interview. Mm-hmm. I'm actually editing. I stopped editing it to record this. So. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to listen to it. Speaking of uh, being behind on editing, I still haven't edited the segment we're going to have today, which is between the lines from our pal Laura and Travia. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. I look forward to listening to that. It's about some musical term I'm not aware of. Yes, so we're all going to learn some things together. Um, but <laughs> anyway, usual. anyway, let's uh, let's jump into the show. Let's go to the Remix Rewind where we recap. Oh, we should try to work that into the marketing. Or we recap <laughs> what happened on Overclocked Remix last week. Let's look at the <laughs> You know who's got the moves? Wario. That's who. Remixers Desert Cats, Flexstyle, and King Tiger understand this and express it in their gritty EDM hit, Greed Built. It's a bold track that strives to pay homage to each and every map theme from the original Wario Land. How many can you spot?
Inspired by an actual nightmare of silent, grinning monstrosities following you through twisted city streets, No Tux's Plastic Smile is an unsettling masterpiece that manages to make Yoshi's Island the creepiest soundtrack of 2016. these remixes and more head over to ocremix.org hello everyone and welcome to the in tune interview i'm your host brian and joining me today is a very special guest we have a game composer robin miller who just finished work on abduction the spiritual successor some might say to mist hello robin how are you doing hello everyone i'm doing great glad to be here Awesome. So you guys just finished, you released like what, less than a week ago? It was on the 25th. So yeah, it was just a, just a few days ago. That is super rad. How have things been for you since the release? Uh, really good. I think people are really enjoying the game, which is fantastic. People are out there, you know, playing the game online. It's amazing to see that. Uh, never got to see that when people were playing Mist and Riven and the other games. Um, so that's that's a new phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me kind of jealous. I haven't had a chance to play it myself because I'm actually working through all of the old uh, Mist games in preparation. Oh, cool. Cool. Excellent. But for people who aren't as like incredibly familiar with the series, why don't you go ahead and explain like what abduction is and and like what sort of game you guys are releasing here? Well, I think the first thing to say is it's it's not a part of the series. Yeah, that's a great delineation to make. It was sold as a spiritual successor to Myst. In some ways, I think that's almost a detrimental thing to say, because the way it is a spiritual successor to Myst, it is, I think, um, it's a it's a puzzle-based mystery. Other than that, its story is completely different. There's no crossover characters. There's no crossover, you know, 
uh, books are not the same. You know, there's none of that stuff of the mist world that crosses over. Right. I think that's what's really exciting about it because kind of what defined mist, it was like two things. It was that puzzle solving, mm -hmm, very mm -hmm, cerebral mm -hmm. type of gameplay. And then it was the world you guys created. And this is not the same world. So like you're taking that puzzle solving, that first person exploration, that sense of wonder, but everything about the world building is completely different, right, which is, um, right. which is what makes it so exciting because exactly. I actually really respect that about it because like i was just looking at the cover for mist five and it was like this is the final chapter of mist and i love that you guys came back and didn't you know say and here's the epilogue of mist but you're like no we closed that book uh, pardon the pun and we're ready to open a new one with abduction that's exactly what got me to come on board to make the music is I, I worked on Mist and Riven directly. Those were the projects that I really had a, a, a large influence on. But for many years, Rand did other Mist games. And I didn't see the sort of just overt enthusiasm until he came and did this project. And he started up on it and he came to me and he talked to me and he was... Um, almost giddy <laughs> um, uh, with enthusiasm and, right. and the project sounded really amazing. It sounded cool. And um, that got me excited about it. The first time he asked me to do the music, I didn't, I wasn't interested, but after I talked to him on multiple occasions, that's when I got really excited. You know, I think he kind of, that kind of that excitement that he had rubbed off on me. Um, I'm happy it did because <laughs> it's a cool project. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about like your history with the games. You've been the composer for Mist and Riven, like you said. So how do you end up getting into composition? Was it just because you guys needed music? Had you been creating a lot of music before that? The music we did before that was on some of our children's games, and it was really minimal, minimal. I, I did music, say, when I was in high school. You know, I had the kind of music history where I wanted to be a rock musician or, you know, I really... I, I, at one point, you know, that was my um, career choice, <laughs> but I never really seriously went that, that way. But when we got to Mist, we didn't have a budget <laughs> or much of one. And so there was a point during Mist, the Mist production, where we wanted to try out music and we didn't, there was no way to hire someone to come in to compose music. And so... Um, we just thought, well, let's compose the music ourselves. And I, I could compose music. That was something I had the skills to do. And so I went ahead and composed a piece for one area of the game. Um, and I think that first area that I composed for was the planetarium. Ah, uh, yes. And I took that one piece and placed it into the planetarium and it was a very i think it was a very fast piece um, that we ended up not using in the game but it was enough to tell us that oh yeah this needs music um <laughs> we definitely are gonna write music for all of this and started rewriting pieces, you know, throughout the game. Um, and I wrote the, the missed music in a very rapid pace because I, I was busy 
actually making the visuals and producing the visuals and producing the game. Um, right. So I wrote the entire soundtrack in about two weeks. And that was at night while I was, you know, during the day I was working on the production. At night, I would go and, you know, uh, write the music. That's incredible. It, it was kind of remarkable, <laughs> but it was just something that, you know, we didn't have time to do anything. Everything in Mist was kind of do it yourself. Yeah, like how many different roles did you have in that first game? Like how many different things were you doing? There was the music. And then you mentioned you're also doing art, music, art, design. There was the game, game design, acting. I did the the title sequence. <laughs> oh, the box cover. Just like everything you, you see in the game, we did ourselves. Yeah, it was kind of like indie games before indie games became a thing. It's right. Like back then, you guys somehow slipped under the radar and did one that got incredibly popular. Right, right. Back when that just was unheard of. But yeah, it's really interesting because you guys were connected to the game in ways that most creators weren't because you guys were literally characters in the game because Mist had full motion video of like uh, real actors in there. We were characters in the game, but we didn't have contact with actors who could act in our game. Who would we have gotten to do that? We, you know, we were not connected to that world. Um, so we just went and did it ourselves. And we weren't expecting a lot of people to see this. To us, that was silly. We were laughing most of the time we were playing those parts. I mean, we were actually hysterically laughing. It was so fun to us. We went out and bought contacts, contact lenses to wear uh, because we just read our, our script that we had written. Couldn't wear our normal glasses. We both wore glasses. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, the whole thing, it was just like so scrapped together. Um, anybody who would like see the game and then see how we made the game, I think would just laugh at, you know, uh, we, we, uh, designed the game. Rand and I like would have design sessions in his double wide mobile home. Right. Just everything about it was small budget. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, completely squeezing every penny to get the most out of it. And in many cases, it caused us to be more creative in certain ways. For example, I, I use this as an example of that. In the books where the brothers reside or in their prisons, you see sort of that, uh, it almost looks like television scrambling. That was a result of the bad footage we ended up with. <laughs> and, and it was a result of our bad acting. We gave such bad performances that I had to just, you know, edit those things to shreds. And I, I needed some method of kind of like, disguising those edits and that was the method that i came up with was that's amazing because like that's what's memorable about that as someone who grew up playing the mist games <laughs> and still goes back to them it's like it's what created that kind of eerie uncanny valley that made you be able to buy into something as weird as real people acting in your video games <laughs> and the fact that it all comes from those kind of origins is, just makes it better <laughs> it's so great <laughs> It was, it was uh, design decisions, but it was design decisions that were provoked by the limitations of, of what we had at hand, you know? <laughs> and I feel that's where a lot of the best stuff comes from. Like you mentioned, like once you put yeah. limits on something, I feel like creativity really, like you mentioned the soundtrack, just Absolutely. having two weeks to create it so that you guys had so many creative restrictions, I think. It probably led to a lot of the, you know, less orthodox design decisions that make Mist really stand out. The music for Riven and Mist was very minimalistic. It was going for kind of that ethereal 
uh, vibe. Would you say that's similar to the style you went with at Abduction, or how would you compare or contrast it to the work you did on Riven and Mist? I think that the Mist, the themes and the motifs in the Mist music were a little bit more overt. So when I went to do the Riven music, I kept the compositions um, much more subtle and, and thrown into the background. I, I think the pieces were much more ambient. There weren't themes that clearly stood out. Right. I totally agree with that. Because like in Mist, you walk into a room and you know from the five notes that play that it's Cirrus's room, like that that little str- those strings just pluck and you're like, oh my gosh, is he behind me? Where is Cirrus? Where is he hiding in here? Exactly. And that's how I wrote it. That was my mechanism. Um, I would have the, the Channelwood age theme and I would have those sort of general things going on, but then I would have Cirrus's theme within that. And um, so I, I, I had a structure for how to write the pieces in Mist, and it was a very formal structure, um, which I abandoned that way of writing music for Riven. And I did a little bit of a more, you know, structured way of writing, but I mostly stuck with a feeling for a place. Right. And I think that reflects that reflects the games pretty well, because Myst was a very structured game. You had basically what was equivalent in Overworld and then, you know, three or four different worlds in that. And each of them was very distinct from the rest of them. You'd pick up a book and it would take you to a different world. You'd walk around there a little bit, see Sears as part of it, see Akinar as part of it, come back. And so it was split up in that way while Riven was like all one big world. It was more of an open world experience where it was much less distinct where those lines were drawn. Yes. And I also came to a different conclusion when making Riven. I felt like the music really should augment the player's experience in this world and to augment their adventure. And I did not want the music to suddenly jump out at them and get in the way of that adventure. And I felt like some of the music in Mist did that a little bit. You know, like you, you walked into some location and suddenly you felt, like you said, you felt like, oh, there's a Cirrus's theme before you even knew what the place was. And I instead wanted it to be the player's theme and, and, to, and to be more of a mood and a presence and an atmosphere. And so I, that's what I went for with Riven. And then for this game, Abduction, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to accomplish the same thing. And um, I had a little bit more time to do it. I wanted to do a better job of it. You had more than two weeks, you're saying, to work on this soundtrack? <laughs> That's right. Amazingly uh, enough. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and um, I um, really wanted, again, to um, create a, uh, a sound space, a music space that um, lifted the, the, whatever you were seeing and whatever you were playing made it, you know, your uh, your ad- adventure, you know, augment, augmented that adventure and created that atmosphere, um, gave helped to give more of an atmosphere to that place. And that's an interesting question for something like abduction. How did you balance making the music between like grounding the player with something familiar and trying to make something new and unfamiliar? Because that seems like the game itself is really trying to ride that line. I would take 
the visuals, the visuals they had at any given moment and put them in front of me. And then I could, I would just sit in front of the piano and start playing. And typically what I had was like a looped video because I didn't have, say, the game. They didn't have the game for me to, to play yet. So I would be playing this looped video of someone walking through the environment, and I would just start to play something with a piano sound. I tried to, as directly as possible, just look at what I was seeing and play what I was seeing. I would set up like a number of tracks, and for any one visual, I would just go through like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. Okay, I'm going to go through it and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. And then I would start listening and choosing one that really stuck, you know, and I'm not doing this to a click track or anything. I'm just like really trying to find something that feels right. And then when I finally found something that with just one track piano felt right, I would begin to build around that. Nice. So it was a very intuitive process. It was kind of just letting the absolutely the world yeah. surround you. Like an improvisational, you know, beginnings and then to, to begin to compose around those improvisational beginnings. I think there's a real danger, though, and this happens with, say, if I'm sketching something, you see sometimes with people's design sketches for films, and the design sketch looks so amazing. And then in, in the finished films, it looks horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing can happen with music all the time. It's like that beautiful, you know, improvisational piano piece can turn into something so horrible when it's fully composed. Right. And that's always a fear of mine. And I have to continually check myself against that initial piano thing that I was playing that sounded the heart really, of it. Yeah. Right. So that was yeah. something else. Did you find yourself at all like overwhelmed with how many options you have for music production now compared to when you originally made Mist? Or have you been keeping up making music since then? So you're pretty comfortable with it. You just have to like jump in there and say, okay. This is, this is going to be my piano. It doesn't really matter um, if this is which piano sound I'm using. What really matters is how are the, you know, what is the melody or what is the counter melody? And, you know, what, how do all these pieces work together? Mm -hmm. Again, back to the intuitive thing. It's not going through a list of 6,000 instruments and saying, which is the absolute best? Right. There is no absolute best. It's never, ever, nothing you do is ever going to be a hundred percent there. Yeah. You can't torture yourself over, you know, or at least I can. <laughs> uh. I can't either. No, I'm, I agree. <laughs> um, now what I, I do kind of spend more time on is going in and, 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 and really making sure that, you know, the, the, chord progression moves in a right way. And, you know, it might be a note that's just like, yeah, really killing me uh, in the middle of the piece. And so I might go in and spend more time on that kind of stuff. When you think of like instrument composition or themes or um, what would you say, like inspirations from different genres of music, what would you say were your primary inspirations for abduction? And were they different much from what you're doing from Mist and Ribbon? And I, I really don't think I had an inspira any inspirations now, I know I did. I know that, you know, subconsciously I did. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was just, it was the visuals were my inspiration. And I, I think you can see it's interesting because someone just told me that the Captor videos, Captar, Captor, were the, my, their favorite pieces. Uh, 
which was in it was interesting to me because that was my favorite world um visually that was the world i just found the most visually like directly visually inspiring it was very clear to me when i saw those pieces i could find stuff to write so that was interesting when that someone would would say that because those are those still remain my collection of of pieces that i enjoy the most so I do work very intuitively. It can be very hard to write something without visual inspiration. Where there was more visual inspiration in this game, it, it, it's, it was much easier for that to just flow. So yeah, those are the pieces I really liked was where the, the visual inspiration was like spoke to me more directly. And you said that you did art as well. Did you do art before you did music, like was that kind of your first passion was drawing and painting and that sort of thing? Or Art was probably my, my first passion as a kid. And of course, Mist and Riven were, I did the art and design for both of those. That was primarily what I did. And music is, I, I think primarily, I still see music as largely visual. I see it so often as a, a narrative force it's all one um it's all one yeah it's all part of a cohesive whole yeah yeah that's really interesting and that gives me a new perspective looking back on ribbon and mist because that's kind of always how i've described those games to people i'm always like you know it's not the visuals it's not the soundtrack it's not the story but i rarely play a game that feels so uniquely it like it is its own whole world that it's created none of the elements seem just pasted in there it all seems to be coming from the same origin point and hearing you describe how you make the music, that that's exactly what I've always been getting from those games. So that's really fascinating to me. Oh, that's that's great. That's very cool. Well, that's that gives you, uh, I think, a great uh, maybe understanding of what my goal was in making the music for this game. I wanted the music to be to feel like it was uh, emanating from this world or was a part of this world or, you know, one in the same with this world. And, and I didn't I didn't it couldn't stand out, like jump out at you and. um while the player is is playing the game. I mean, the most that it could stand out is if the player really stopped to notice it. Um, but hopefully the player is is enjoying is just is just enjoying the game. And in the music is supporting that somehow from beneath or or from above or from within from everywhere <laughs> from within from within yeah that's that's super awesome so what would you say you touched on this a little before but what would you say was one of your biggest challenges when you're working on abduction was there any part that got you specifically stuck or made it difficult to work with oh yeah 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 uh, <laughs> uh yeah a couple of things okay well there was two the beginning forest piece uh, was huge. Well, that was big. The piece that you hear was the fifth version of the piece that I wrote. I had um, like three different, um, completely distinct versions, um, and and then it, different iterations of pieces that were there were also written. Um, I kept thinking like, okay, well, I'll just change this piece and move things around and then it will work. And, and you know, that, that just didn't work. And it was, what was hard is that it had this narration going over it. And when you're writing music with narration and the narration is so important and it's the beginning of the game. And I just felt like, you know, people are being introduced to things here. It's, we've got to give it energy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, but yet the voice was a little, 
uh, sleepy. <laughs> yep. But yet there's so much activity going on. Right. It, it, there was a lot of contrasting elements. Fascinating. Already. Yeah. And I finally came up with the piece that's there, which is sort of a pulsing. It's slow, but it pulses and, and builds. I think what I ended up with is it's it's true to the game. It's true to the opening. It's true to that narration. It's true to the like the events that are going on around you. And it's true to the, the rest of the soundtrack and the rest of the music. It's musically correct, you know. Um, so the, all of those things are are work. Right. And it's like the first thing the player hears. So it's like so much is riding on that. And it's the first thing the player hears. Right. That sounds incredibly difficult. Yeah. It sounds like you're having to work with like directly contradictory stuff in some places there. Alternatively, what would you say is something you are happiest about? with the work from reduction? Anything that just went perfectly or that you just look back on and say, yeah, that's awesome. Well, one of the pieces that I really feel great about, um, there's a couple of pieces that I, I really was happy with. I turned out, I, mm-hmm. you know, just, I loved, um, one of them was the, um, well, I love the end credit piece, end credits piece. Oh, that's a good thing to get right. I really liked the way that sort of rounded things off at the end it gives you a little bit of a feeling of like yay i won the game but uh oh the game's over (laughs) (laughs) that melancholy you know a little melancholy yeah so that's great man i i cannot wait to finish my run through the missed games and play and hear abduction um oh other question that my brother specifically asked i ask since he's not able to be here for the interview which is do you recall what you guys did to create the sound effect for when you go through a linking book in Mist? In Mist, the very first time, in the first Mist, um, I went like this. Uh, with my voice on a microphone. Uh, and then I, then I added a bunch of effects to it. So... <laughs> It's literally just someone saying the linking sound. That is another yeah. example of the restrictions creating some iconic stuff. Oh, that's the best. That right. is the best. And, and then when we did Riven, um, I did uh, a different sound. It was not my voice anymore. I, I like did it up fancy with synthesizers and stuff, you know. <laughs> that right. is so cool all right <laughs> yeah. all right robin well thanks so much for your time that was that was great getting to chat with you so absolutely yeah this was great fantastic anything you want to talk about what you're doing next or is it kind of just rest period after abduction no i'm already on to other things i'm actually doing um some music for a, for a vr short vr project uh nice and a short film so i'm gonna try and release that as soon as it's done i'm well, I've, I've got a um, couple things in the hopper, and we're trying to get a um, both a film and a television series up and out the door. Wow! Um, and trying to raise some funds for those right now. Nice. Uh, where are you doing it? Like on Kickstarter or something, or is it with publishers and the like? No, with you know, just like the traditional route. Yeah, I should say. Yeah, that's super um, cool. Yeah. 
Um, but that's not all. I mean, we've got another VR project that uh, we're also trying to get going. Wow. And we might do that. We're deciding whether or not we want to go uh, uh, the Kickstarter route with that one. Gotcha. And are you talking about Cyan or are you doing that with someone else? That would not be with Cyan. Okay. Gotcha. No. That's cool. Man, you have yeah. all sorts of stuff going on. So where can people go I to, know it. I know it. to keep track of stuff you're doing? Is like Twitter, website? Yeah, people can come to my Twitter account. Perfect. Um, and that's Tinselman. T-I-N-S-E-L-M-A-N. That's awesome, Robin. Thank you so much for your time. This was great. This was wonderful. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I had so much fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And we're going to head back to the show. My name is Laura Travia, and this is Between the Lines. The day my friend Jeff lent me Paper Mario was the day my life would change forever. Not only did I completely fall in love with this game and didn't return it to him for like three years, I also fell in love with the game's music. It had that undeniably happy, upbeat, energetic Mario flavor, while still being a very unique sound world compared to the other Mario games. The music from this game was composed by Yuka Tsujioko, and I really appreciate her whimsical, sometimes florid, compositional style throughout the game. On the last episode, we talked about polyrhythms in Super Mario Galaxy. A polyrhythm is the use of two or more conflicting rhythms simultaneously. Today, I want to talk about a particular type of polyrhythm that we experience frequently in all types of music, from pop to classical to Broadway to, of course, video game music. Now, to identify the polyrhythms in the Freeze Flame Galaxy piece from last episode, we had a quick lesson in different types of meter, or ways that we divide music into patterns of beats. We talked about the idea of duple versus triple and simple versus compound. And again, it's not something that you have to look at on paper to identify, it's something that you feel. To review, duple or triple meter refers to the number of beats per measure. Duple being multiples of two, and triple being multiples of three. And simple and compound meters refer to the way those beats divide into smaller beats. Simple being dividing into multiples of two, and compound dividing into three. Let's look at an example from Banjo-Tooie for a second. The music from the Witchy World level. We're actually going to do this backwards for a second. Here is the world's music reimagined for a boss fight within the level with a giant inflatable dinosaur named Mr. Patch. The 
hilarious and awesome, and I sincerely hope it is performed live someday. And also, we have large groups of four dividing into small groups of two and four. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And then when you divide it, one and two and three and four and one and two. And so you have a division of two. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. So we would call this quadruple, four beats per measure, simple, dividing into two, meter. Quadruple simple. Now let's look at the original world music. It's obviously slower now, but it also has a different feel to it. This feels like two groups of large beats dividing into groups of three. One, two, one, two, one, two. And if we divide, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. So each of those divisions is one, two, three, one, two, three. So this would be duple, two beats, compound, dividing into three meter. Duple compound. One more example, and we're going to jump games now to Final Fantasy X and look at two Xanarkand. And this one I'm feeling as a triple simple meter. Measures of three dividing into groups of two. One, two, three, one, two, three, one and two and three and. Why am I going through all of this again? <laughs> the reason is that sometimes there's more than one way to feel a meter. That is to say, let's say we have three beats per measure. We can divide those three beats into a total of six smaller beats or divisions. But mathematically, we can divide six more than one way, right? We can make it two groups of three or three groups of two. There's a difference between one, two, three, four, five, six, and one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. The grouping is changing, and it's making the larger beats feel like they are different lengths. And the most famous example of what I'm talking about is probably America from the musical West Side Story by Leonard Bernstein. Check out the melody line. If I count the divisions, you can hear the accented beats are changing. One, two, three, four, five, six. 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 One, two, one, two, three. One, two, one, two, three. This relationship of three versus two is called a hemiola. It comes from the Greek term hemiolios, which literally means containing one and a half. Wikipedia defines a hemiola as a musical figure in which, typically, two groups of three beats are replaced by three groups of two beats, giving the effect of a shift between triple and duple meter. It's a super cool effect, and I absolutely adore the way Tsujiyoko uses it in the final battle of Paper Mario. This piece is called Bowser's Rage, and it's one of my favorite battle pieces of all time because it's super intense, it's packed with awesome compositional ideas, and it's actually going to cycle through almost every single one of those types of meters we talked about earlier in the episode. We start in quadruple simple. Four beats per measure. Beats are dividing into two. Then we move to triple simple, three beats per measure, beats are still dividing into two. 
I really love the effect of moving from the quadruple to triple meter, which is effectively dropping one beat per measure. It feels like the music has suddenly picked up pace and is driving us even more forward. Next is the first moment of the hemiola. It's just a brief hint, but it's there. We just shifted from triple simple into duple compound meter. We started with three groups of two, and then we switched into two groups of three. The same amount of time was taken, but the length of the larger beats feels different. For this next section, I'm going to count the groupings without stopping, and pay attention to the moment of the hemiola again, and how Tsujiyoko will extend it for this last part of the piece. One, two, three, one, two, three. One and two and three and one and two and three and one two three two two three one two three two two three one two three two two three one two one two. One two one two one two three one two three one two three four one two three four and then we're back into the quadruple that's a lot to take in at once and if you got confused i encourage you to listen again and tap the beat as you go as you naturally feel it it's easier to feel the shifts in meter than to describe them so what does this all mean in terms of the game and the emotion that we as players should be feeling because a hemiola is a really cool mathematical concept, but we are talking about music here. So what did the use of the hemiola achieve on a musical level? What's the point? For me, in the moment where the hemiola occurs, we're feeling that the beat is becoming longer. There are larger beats. So it's not driving forward as much, but the activity of the divisions within the beat has increased, and you can really hear it in the drums particularly. The hi-hat, especially, starts going crazy when we start hitting the compound meter section. So there's this simultaneous feeling of the music not relaxing, but becoming more expansive or drawn out, but also becoming frenetic at the same time, because there's just so much going on in these larger beats. A moment ago, the music was driving us forward, and all of a sudden we have this feeling of it just opening up, so we can take more time to enjoy these intense harmonies in this section, which incidentally are based off of the harmonies from the beginning of the piece that we associate as being Bowser's theme. sense that the composer wanted to create a sensation of longer beats for these harmonies to really come out, for us as an audience to recognize it almost as the chorus of a pop song. We just had all of this build and development and crazy energy, but when these chords arrive, these recognizable chords that we've heard before, it's like we arrived somewhere. And I just love the use of the hemiola to naturally create a longer musical phrase for us to enjoy that moment. Because how freaking epic does Bowser's theme sound right now? And how lame would it have been if the music did something like this instead?
is a terrible MIDI mock-up of what would happen if the hemiola did not occur and the meter was unchanged. We continue with that feeling of three beats per measure, and it's so lame. It's so lame. The moment in the music is so much more effective with the hemiola. I never get tired of this moment. It absolutely perfectly enhances the excitement of the battle, which, by the way, if you're not familiar with this game, it's a turn-based RPG. So the fact that the music could generate this level of excitement in me when I have all the time in the world to decide if I want to use taunt or attack or send my paracoup in, it says a lot about the effect of the composition. I applaud Sujioko for her flawless understanding of how effective the Hemiola can be, and I hope to see more examples of this in video game music in the future. And now we come to the end of the show. Hoo-wee. Hoo-wee indeed. I couldn't have said it better myself and, and in fact said it twice just for closure. Hoo-wee. <laughs> well, that was fun. Um, not a lot of time in the old recording studio with us two because we had all of our various friends and allies to help fill in. Absolutely. But we would like to give an extra special thanks to them before we leave. Laura, thank you for putting in all the hard work um, uh, for the Between the Lines segment. It's always a pleasure to edit that stuff. Um, it really is like the most fun stuff to work on. So yeah, I'm always. And thank you again to Robin Miller. That was a wonderful interview, and uh, we wish them all the best with the production. I still can't wait to play that game. Yeah, me too. I still haven't played all the old Mist games. So oh yeah. Thing is, I want you to play those, but I know it's going to take you so it's long. It's going to take me so long. Um, <laughs> so while you're waiting, you know what you could always do to kill time. What's that? You could go download some remixes. I know this really good website called www.ocremix.org. You can find like. So much of the stuff we've been talking about there. Oh, my gosh. If you have more time to waste, you can check out our Twitter account at OCR Podcast. Oh, man. Well, you know what? If you really just want to throw your life in the garbage and just <laughs> give up altogether, you could email us at podcast at ocremix.org. Don't send us those emails. That's, <laughs> that's actually really um, disturbing to just get emails from a bunch of people that are completely horribly depressed. Maybe instead you could just give us playlist submissions or, um, you know, just say that you like our show and want to hang out and be good friends and steven we have a new itunes review oh that's so much better than garbage emails this is actually from a friend of the show it is uh from andres who i have done podcasts with before what and who is uh looking into making music and stuff for oc remix because he is a music producer we were just talking about him while we were recording he gave us a five-star review saying the synergy is over nine thousand, and he writes walter white couldn't have come up with a better formula than these two brothers super fun and engaging and informative if you are looking for a video game music podcast this is it well that's so nice of him that is very nice of him i i appreciate the different references and uh yeah it was a creative there, so. review it was good let's review his review okay i would give it five stars i would give it five stars i would well. say it's super engaging and informative <laughs> i would say walter white couldn't have come up with a better review formula i couldn't have said it better myself let's jump into this week's playlist you know what's interesting about this uh week's uh playlist episode brian what's that we've done this before mm -hmm. that is interesting i've wanted to i wanted to see if anyone caught this acoustic guitar was like in episode six or something oh yeah and it's interesting to compare we didn't get any repeats okay um and we 
effectively tripled the number of people submitting. So that has to be a good sign. <laughs> so are you saying we can just start looping all our playlist uh, ideas now? I'm saying we probably can since no one called us out or called us names about it. Ooh. Well, let's just do that. It's That's just, what those people get for not calling us more names. I'll say, if you want to call us names, you can email us, but we've been through that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now we'll jump into the playlist. Here we go. The Playlist is a weekly collection of listener-submitted recommendations so we can all discover music together. This week's theme is Acoustic Guitar. Being handed a blank map from Adler Sophie and submitted by Zachary. Vamo a la Flamenco, originally from Final Fantasy IX, remixed by Daisuke Minamizawa, and submitted by Tim.
Metroid Medley, originally from Metroid, remixed by the Super Guitar Brothers and submitted by Jean-Marc. Life is Beautiful, Whistle Theme, from Deadly Premonition, and submitted by Major Third. Casino in my hair from Um Jammer Lammy and submitted by Carlos. Casino here, casino there, casino in my hair. I wish my bear was in the air with no more time to spare. Casino here, casino there, casino in my chair. Surely, pretty honey, I love you so. If I had the money, it would be yours. I think about my barrel spinning inside of my head. Where's that place that comes in pairs whenever I'm aware? Casino here, casino there, casino in my hair. I wish my bear was in the air with no more time to spare. Casino here, casino there, casino in my chair. Shirley Purdy. 
Museum Bust. From Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, and submitted by Square Evil. Dusty Garden Galaxy, originally from Super Mario Galaxy, remixed by the Super Guitar Brothers, and submitted by Phoenix Down. Don Flamenco, 
from Punch-Out! Exclamation point, exclamation point. And submitted by Kyle JCRB. for Zelda, originally from A Link to the Past, remixed by Tepid, and submitted by Mike.
You've been listening to the Overclocked Podcast. Next week's playlist is Overworld Music. Now is the time to break out that fresh reggae remix of Hyrule Fields you've been holding on to. To submit your suggestions or just say hi, hit us up on Twitter at OCR Podcast. Email us at podcast at ocremix.org or visit us on the forums at ocremix.org. This week's lyrical wisdom. Oh, me, me, way, me. Me o oh, me, me o, oh, me gway. Oh me na, not me o, oh. me gway. Gway o oh, me, me na na o. Oh. The playlist is a weekly collection of listener submitted recommendations, so we can all. <laughs> you went a little too far there. <laughs> I was just going crazy with the tempo. It's like <laughs> the playlist, playlist is a weekly collection of listener submitted. Yeah, see, right? See the playlist. See. The playlist is a weekly collection of listener submitted recommendations. I thought you were in a rush, so we can all discover music together. This week's theme is movie music. No, no, that's not the tone of the show. <laughs>